Good morning and welcome. Together we are on a Wednesday. That means just one thing around these parts. Prairie Doc Radio. We have Joni Holm in the studio along with Dr. Rick Holm. Good morning and welcome to the both of you. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you all for listening to Prairie Doc Radio. As Bob said, I'm Joni Holm. We have Rick Holm who is an internal medicine physician here to answer your questions. If you'd like to call us at 692 1430 Rick, why don't you get us started with something? Well, tomorrow night is the uh, show with Craig, Dr. Craig Uthie, who is an expert in uh, um, addiction uh, uh, and uh, narcotic addiction problems. And <clears throat> in particular, the issue of narcotic overuse, overprescribing uh, is um, across our land uh, and it's growing. Uh, and uh, the biggest issue is that uh, a lot of the problem that we're seeing now about uh, prescribed uh, oxycontin and hydrocodone and uh, uh, morphine and and the like uh, is prescribed legitimately for pain, chronic pain. Well, a lot of these people are diverting it. That the word is diverting, meaning that they're selling it. And so the black market is full of plenty of, of uh, this narcotic uh, that somebody prescribed uh, and uh, people are buying it. But it's hard to get it every time. And if you are someone who is in chronic pain and you have been used to using a fair amount of this narcotic and of course you only get, you have a tendency to go a higher dose because it doesn't work as well today as it did yesterday, as it did the day before, as it did the day before. Uh, you go higher, 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 and you you call your doctor and say it's time. I need more of this than I'm getting, and he'll or she'll say, uh, no. In fact, I've been thinking about the fact that we should be. I'm. They're watching me, and the amount that I'm prescribing, uh, and I'm getting letters from the state health department, and so I'm not going to prescribe that medicine for you anymore. And then the guy can find cheap heroin. So. Um, the, that something like three quarters of the heroin abuse that's going on in this country is um, because uh, is in people who had previously been on legitimate prescriptions. Wow. So it's a it's a it's a big deal. I watched a special last night on Netflix called Doctor Feel Good about a chronic pain doctor who made a specialty of this serve time in prison because some of the patients that he was prescribing to were diverting it and whether he had knowledge of this or not. But they, they interviewed um, some of his coworkers throughout the medical community. I found it interesting. One of the, one of the doctors who was a, a professor emeritus said, you know, it's not the drug per se that's addicted. He said 10% of the population walk around with addictive personalities and regardless of what it is that they become addicted to, that's about a standard number. And I suppose it's true. My concern is that there are people out there really that rely on this to improve the quality of life and now because of this may have a difficult time being able to get the medication that right. they need. Right. Well, uh, 10 years ago we had four times less I mean, we're four times the amount of narcotic prescribed pain medicines than we were 10 years ago. Yet, the national measurement about how much pain people are having is equal and so uh, to 10 years ago. So the point is, it, did, it hasn't made a dent. It doesn't work very well with chronic pain. 
we talk about, I mean, the last thing I want to do is withhold narcotics in a, a terminal cancer patient, for example, or for somebody who is in acute and severe pain. But chronic pain is another story. It just doesn't work very well. And, uh, and then people think, well, our answer is with a pill. And the answer for chronic pain is a whole different thing. Just it's got to be physical activity. It might be antidepressants, uh, uh, but it's certainly not narcotics. But the danger of all of this excessive amount of narcotics is people are dying uh, right and left from narcotic suffocation. It's interesting, I think, some of the research that they've done, that where they're able to install, um, say, nerve blocks or pumps that administer minute amounts of mm -hmm. a painkiller to where it's needed. I know right. that they, uh, when Beth had surgery on her wrist, they implanted one of these next to a nerve, and right. she did not take any pills, and it right. administered this dosage for about a week, and then when it was done, they disconnected it, and she was all done. Yeah. Interesting. Well, there are a lot of options about chronic pain, uh, treatments, some of which are really legitimate, uh, and some aren't. Uh, I, I, I heard a, uh, about a book by a doctor, an orthopedic surgeon from Boston, who had been a back pain patient himself. And uh, he had been on a fair amount of narcotics and realized this dilemma and one of the things that he did to try to help people with chronic pain and himself uh, as he was looking into the research of how to handle people with, how to help people with chronic pain, uh, was to have people freely write 15 minutes every morning. It doesn't matter whether it's readable even. Just write uh, uh, what's in your mind. Just let it flow. You can create a book. You can write a book. You can, you can, uh, you can write a story. You can write nothing. You can write a feeling that you're having. Just start writing. And um, uh, so... Uh, what was the theory on why that would work? He said, uh, I'm not sure why it works. Uh, but uh, this, uh, this, this method, uh, if they come in and they're not doing the free writing, I can tell. It, it is one of the major keys by which we get people with chronic pain uh, off of medicines or give them relief chronic pain hmm, that really that pushes for research on that because mm -hmm. i mean boy why wouldn't we all be writing if that was the case regardless well, of if we're on medicines or not well i've been That's writing 15 minutes every morning for a long time <laughs> <laughs> and but it has to be <laughs> picture perfect you know the words and all that so anyway that's maybe it has something to do with mind over matter takes your mind off because i think a lot of times people who have gone through pain or chronic pain episodes your mind kind of becomes obsessed on this. You, right. know, you wake up That's in the morning exactly and you it. know it's going to come and yeah. it, the color of it is red. And if you can find some way to divert that thought process and delay it, maybe, just maybe then, you might get a leg up on it. Well, that, there it is, the, the, the gate theory. You know, your gate gets wider and wider the, the, as, the, as the sheep are charging through that gate. You know, it just kind of makes it wider and wider and wider. And that's really easy for the pain to get to the brain. That's those... those those and sometimes when the pain is gone, the original stimulator of the pain is gone. There, the, there's still neurons flowing through that gate, and if you can get the mind to to um, to sh to s close that gate and open a different gate, you know, to a different creative process, or perhaps it has to do with 
realizing that what's really bugging you is or the chronic pain is related to a lawsuit, for example. You know, the, once the lawsuit's there, the person who has neck pain from the motor vehicle accident won't have any relief of that pain until the lawsuit is finished. Do you know of all the states in the country, the one that has the highest rate of uh, prescription pills written? Right. Do, Florida. They call it the pill mill. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you watch, the, there was a, a, a 60 Minutes episode where they were going into some of these chronic pain clinics. They're like McDonald's. You could drive through, basically. Yeah. And people from all different states were coming. and Getting their pills. Yeah. And then they would take them back home, and they would sell some of them for up to $100 a piece to yeah. finance for their trip and things wow. like this. It became this business. Yeah. Oh, you know? it just galls me if the pr- provider is pres- writing that prescription it's sure a lot easier to just write the prescription than say no, I can tell you that. You say no to somebody who, who is wanting that, and you are facing a lot of guff. And then you have to t- spend a lot of time. Cause, and they're not going to leave until you, you've given that prescription. And sometimes you just have to, have to say, uh, I'm sorry, no, stand up and walk them out of the room. And uh, I've been there. Joni? We need to take a break. And uh, we hope that you are enjoying our conversation about drug use and abuse. Please call us with your questions at 692-1430, and we'll be right back. Thank you for joining us for Prairie Doc Radio. This is Joni Holm, and I have Dr. Rick Holm in studio. We're talking about medication use and overuse, and particularly the pain medications. Let's talk about specialists who deal with this and how can someone who is taking a opioid pain medication and let's say that they want to get off who should they see is that the physiatrist is that the neurologist it's a really good question it's a it's a physician or a care provider who has understanding compassion and time and willing and willingness to help somebody through this. The, the, yeah, but there's no success unless the patient wants it. And what the patient commonly will want is more of the narcotic, which is perpetuating the problem. If it never gets started. Huh? If it never gets started. Right, that's the, the answer is there's the, the, the most important treatment for uh, prevention of chronic pain is to not get chronic pain. Now, sometimes that's not possible. I mean, sometimes what happens is you have an acute pain, and then um, it it you you don't get out of it. You, uh, the the classic picture is a, a knee surgery that fails. The problem is something's not quite right, or it might be perfect knee surgery, but the problem is the patient um, uh, hasn't been using that knee for a while because it's been sick, right? So to get your new muscles and your new ligaments back to working, uh, it's going to hurt. Well, it hurts. I don't want to hurt. A person has a low threshold for pain and and hurts whenever. So they don't move it, and the pain will persist forever. And then you have the dilemma, what can I do? Well, and the patient, here you did. You took them to surgery to help them. Um, and it didn't help them, and they're crying. They're blaming you for not helping them, and they want more pain medicine. And that's a story of a person with chronic back pain with surgery in particular. They're just a dilemma and a mess. It's a tough, tough, tough scenario. So if you're a patient, there's the key. If you're a patient, 
realize that um, you need to gradually get off those things. Uh, uh, sometimes you have rebound pain. Sometimes the, the most rebound pain is from Tylenol. Sometimes it's from ibuprofen, but it's not as much uh, as it is from Tylenol. Get that. And then you add Tylenol to hydrocodone or from to oxycodone, and you make the withdrawal rebound pain worse. So the best thing is to, whenever you have an acute problem and you're given pain medicines, use the least amount of the pain medicines and get into the most important thing for rehabilitation, which is movement of some kind, movement of any kind, you know, gradual increase gradual increase and uh, try to avoid the pills it speaks to something that we've talked about often is preparing for if it's a surgery now so if it's an accident you, you you're not can't prepared. prepare right. but if it's a surgery preparing for it so that the area in which you will have the operation is prepared and at its best possible state oh wow is that important and uh, I mean, I get that from every orthopedic surgeon when that appears on the TV show. You know, you just talk about this, the surgery. What about pre, preparatory uh, uh, rehabilitation? You know, that, that whole idea, getting the muscles and the ligaments strengthened prior to the surgery so you have something with which to connect, uh, to reconnect the muscles. I had one guy who had a, a leg that had been uh, shattered when he was in high school, and he was like 50. And uh, finally, the hip was completely out of trouble. It was the only joint that he was using with his knee that was perpetually straight. Never using the knee, right? Never used the so knee. So swinging his, his so gait So he just swings his leg, and the hip is getting arthritic, and it's so painful for him to move. So we fixed the hip. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was a new world for him. I mean, just it was the most wonderful thing that ever happened. And I said to the surgeon, how about fixing the knee? He says, there's no muscles there. There's no ligaments there. There's nothing with which to connect. He has no muscles in that group. And if I, if I took away his fixed knee, he would have a flaccid knee. And I have to put him in a knee immobilizer. <laughs> there down. you are. <laughs> right. He's already in a knee immobilizer. And so there's nothing to do for the, for the fixed knee, the, the straightened knee that won't work. But the hip got better. What a nice realization that, that um, we have something to help somebody. And that guy never, ever, ever asked for any pain medicine. <laughs> he, you know, I think he may have had, you know, a few pills of oxycodone with Tylenol after the surgery. He didn't use them up. I mean, he, that's the kind of people that usually we find in South Dakota. Let's, I don't need a crutch. Let me do it by myself. And I love to encourage that attitude. It does bring us out of uh, getting into trouble. And uh, the problem is that sometimes we get into situations of trouble. I've had, I've been trying to run with, and my left knee since the chemotherapy has been giving me fits. All right. So I'm doing what the doctor would tell me to do. I'm sure the doctor, uh, she or he would say, well, don't run on it until it's better and then gradually start again. But I, uh, you know, in one inclination would be to oh, pop a ibuprofen or two, and then go run anyway because you want to stay in shape. Then you pay the piper later. So uh, you just got to do least amount of medicines. Time to time to. We shift. need to take our second break, and we will come back and continue our discussion about pain medications. We've given you a little time. 
Thank you for joining us for Prairie Doc Radio. We're talking about pain medication and overuse. Um, Bob, you had a thought there? Yeah, during the break, I asked Dr. Holm, and I, and I hope you don't mind, um, there are chronic pain doctors. That's their area of specialty. And I wondered what your thoughts were, if you think that these are legitimate practitioners of medicine, or are they taking the easy route? Because uh, the patient comes to these people, they're in pain, they want something. Right. You have the power either to relieve it or not. Right. And I think a lot of times they do. Well, that's just my thought. I've seen, you know, just like every other physician or nurse or I think radio announcer, uh, there are really good ones and there are some bad ones. And, um, and uh, you know, there are people who are chronic pain doctors and all they do is just write the prescriptions. And, they, and those prescription numbers just go up and up and up. Uh, there are also, uh, but that's a terrible job. <laughs> I would never do chronic pain as only area. You you get very you'd get very um, jilted. You'd get kind of angry. But actually, it, my experience is the opposite of what you're saying. Is that the people that choose to go into the chronic pain field, they're the gatekeepers. They're the tough ones who make contracts, so that the patient cannot take any medicines other than what's contracted. It's it's the practitioners out in the field who are so swamped. They just write the prescription. They're that the ones it's that more that likely that they may write it because no. they've got, you right. know, 50 other people. Right. And the, the pa- patient that has chronic pain tends to take a lot of time. Well, the, the doctors who specialize it allow their services to There are some that. really great doctors that are chronic pain doctors. I mean, you know, you have to have the patience of Job. But... Um, that sometimes it just ends up that they end up writing those dark on prescription. I mean, you have to. Um, so a lot of them will do a lot of injections. Sometimes the injections are excessive. Uh, and, you know, I, it's just a tough field. Well, and excessive by whose opinion? Well, I mean. Th- exactly. I don't want to even tough. get into it. But they, there, there are times to do the injections and there are times you're overdoing it and you're and you're playing the you're pl- you're you're playing the system and getting the most money so there's there's that but i'm just you know it's a tough area i do know a friend of mine who shall remain nameless is a chronic pain sufferer and has been seeing a chronic pain doctor management specialist for a long time and i gotta tell you they're really pretty tough um the way that it works is he's, he's closely monitored by the dea the doctor and the patient will get a call and has 60 minutes to report to the office with his pills to have an uh, account. And they also, when he goes in uh, once a month for blood work, they test to make to sure that the levels the aren't drug. too high or yeah. there's anything else that's in there. Or and there's none in there. And if there, yeah, if there's none in there, selling he, it. he's selling it. But, you know, if you, if you really, if there is a need, it can be addressed. But there are some safeguards in place right. and so there and I think is the balance isn't it very good I think uh, that's important good point and uh, and and that person the doing the pain contracting and and all that is doing it right and that's very important it's really hard to do the pain contracting though you have to spend a lot of time and you have to do a lot of measuring it's just a tough deal uh-huh. I'd like to just quickly go touch on the fact that when you may be given a pain medication after a surgery or and the circumstance I can think of is when your children have their wisdom teeth out 
you don't have to take all of that pain medicine physically. You don't have to. I can I can recall, you know, 30 tablets of something being prescribed. And when I got to the pharmacy, I said, I don't want 30. Give me 15. They tried to talk me into taking the 30 because they said, if you need more, you're going to have to pay the copay again. And in my mind, it's worth it because I don't want those pills around my house when we had teenage children. Well, you know, you're a nurse. I'm a doctor. And one one of our sons is a nurse. There were the worst. If you were going to predict who are the worst people to get into chronic pain drugs, it's the people in the medical field. I don't agree with that. Um, there is a tendency. St- well, there is a high tendency. And, you know, you see doctors take a fall because of uh, narcotic abuse. Uh, occasionally statistically so, I don't think it's there. well it scares me and so I threw I throw them away you know now there there's some discussion about how to get rid of the take them to the pharmacy and and they'll flush them is what they're doing I think but I don't want them in the in the fluid system I like no. to I just put them in the coffee grounds and I think, I think the they incinerate them that's what they do now is and that right yeah they, the Brookings Police Department has an annual event where you can drop them off there and then they gather them all up in the county, and they're burned. We'll get that answer specifically tomorrow night with our pain specialist and report back next week. I do have a question that's come in from a caller, so I'd like to get to that. This person says they have fibromyalgia, and they are off meds, um, but they have a prescription for tramadol, and they only take it when the pain is intolerable. It makes this person feel better mentally, is there any damage or side effects to the drug? Look, I um, I think tramadol, uh, which is a kind of a combination antidepressant and narcotic, uh, used on occasion and in a rescue place where you may use it or may not use it, but you know you've got it as a safety, is perfect. Uh, I believe that narcotics are some of the great drugs that we have ever Develop because it helps us uh, in times of severe uh, pain. So don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm trying to be a compassionate doctor, and I'm sounding like an anti-pain uh, uh, medicine. People have pain. Let's try what we can to relieve them. Well, the problem is, is using tramadol regularly uh, is problematic, uh, and it does build up in your bloodstream. So it is one of those. Uh, our pharmacist at the hospital in particular doesn't like uh, because of uh, the reading uh, when you look at the literature the risks of uh, building higher 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 dose uh, over time but it has a little double effect it isn't just a narcotic Uh, it has an antidepressant in it and and uh, oftentimes that really the reason they're in chronic pain is partly is because there's they're they're depressed from the pain or the disability uh, or they're just a depressed person Um, and so if you you have chronic pain that will make you depressed so would it it be wise for this person or anyone to talk with their pharmacist who you know really maybe we need to be relying on more to give us education you know what is a safe amount right and the answer on tramadol is depends upon your size but if you're well, a that's tiny where the little pharmacist would help you mm-hmm. if w- you find that you're taking more than x number of pills for week per week you're maybe beginning into trouble yeah that kind of thing well, yeah but if this person who called uh is just using it occasionally i think we're we're what does we're occasionally okay. mean 
yeah, a couple D- of times. Different, different for different people. Yeah. So talk with the pharmacists. Or your primary care doctor. So I, there was a, I had a thought there, uh, and I lost it, except to say that um, I think you have to know uh, that people who have chronic pain have real pain. I'm not saying they're they're not they're malingering and they're trying to get pills. I mean, there may be some who are totally malingering and trying to get medicines and selling them and so on and so forth. But there are people who have chronic pain. The problem is that the pills, the narcotics, do not help that. They do not seem to reduce. Uh, I mean, at the time they do, but over a long period of time, if you look at how much pain did that person have in the last six months, it didn't help. Uh, you've got to find another way. And the chronic pain doctors who are really good will divert you into a direction of rehabilitation that allows you some way of living with it, functioning while you have it, and uh, not being dependent. So the special that I watched last night, they said what they're really trying to do is they're trying to find a way that they can test the fluids in your body for an enzyme or a presence of some chemical that stimulates whether in fact you are in pain and what level your pain is. Because right now, the only way that you can tell is the patient. Doctor, I'm in pain. But you have no way of verifying whether they are or not. I think one of our major narcotic overuse reasons is because we have asked the patient to me- to measure their pain on a 10 scale. And so, oh, well, I mean, you know, oh, I don't know, this is a 10. Well, a lot of South Dakotas, it's a one. South Dakotans will, nah, I'm fine. You know what I mean? But, uh, you, you know, you can't, that's a lousy measure. And uh, maybe if you've had surgery acutely, it might be helpful. But the problem is, is we are being evaluated as physicians. Uh, when uh, we evaluate the quality of the, uh, how much pain are you having and the chronic pain person comes into the clinic and they're having a seven, you know, and the nurse feels that it's a good, you know, the goal is, everybody says the goal is zero, right? You know, that person had a, will always have a five, uh, no matter whether there's narcotics or not. I mean, you know, whether you're on pills or not. I mean, the answer is the best thing to do is get that person, that five, working and active and living with the five and finding other things in their lives because the more you think about the pain the more you think about the pain the worse the pain gets all right before we run out of time we do have another question uh, non-related to pain medications but what is the predominant flu strain that's going around right now now well, I, you know i'm seeing more a right and i think that's the dominant uh, uh flu a used to be uh the milder one i'm thinking but it's been a mean one. I, I don't know really the difference as far as how people are feeling. The children that I'm seeing right now, um, they're not the, the classic can't get out of bed, but they're feeling pretty crummy. They've got the fevers and coughs and runny noses, and they're irritable. Uh, but this too shall pass. Good hand washing, lots of fluids. Don't get too wigged out about it. Just use your fever <laughs> reducers as needed. <clears throat> I think it's really important that you cover your cough with a tissue. If you have one, if you don't, <coughs> you cough into your elbow like I just did because I didn't have a tissue. The better thing is the tissue and then throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Tell that to a uh, 14-month-old. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. They doesn't work for a 14 right month. on you and their in, parents. And uh, just ra- <laughs> everywhere. So <laughs> hang in there, folks, and, and wash often. Wash 
your face, their face, your hands. And get your flu vaccines every year. You know, that's an important thing. Now it's finally on the taper, but we had a big flu shoot this year. Well, there were a lot of deaths, unfortunately, this year. Yes, and when, when you're in church, the guy behind you sneezes and you feel that warm mist on your yeah. neck. <laughs> Come Monday, you'll have someone to blame. <laughs> it's a pleasure as always to welcome both of you. Thanks so much for sharing your time and expertise with us. We invite you to come back and join us again next Wednesday from 9.30 to 10 for our Prairie Dot Radio presentation. Joni, Dr. Holm, thank you so much. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Thank you, Joan, and stay healthy out there, people. Back.